Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, very first book, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to read a little bit, if you don't have your Bibles, I, I got you, if you have been watching from home, um, God bless you, come to church, <laughs> we're ready to see your faces Amen. <clears throat> or you have faces. Genesis 6, beginning with verse 5. Anybody ready this morning? The Word of God says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. I just want to stop there real quick. Just, just imagine what that did to our creator. It's gotten to the point where I, I regret having made them. My most prized, my, the, the, the proudest creation of all, above every other creature Above every other uh, mountain and, and, and sea, my, the thing that I am most proud of is the thing that has grieved me the most. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the, of the land, man and animals and creeping things and the birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9 continues to say that Noah was righteous. He was blameless in his generation. I want to go down to 11. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark. Of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, the breadth, 50 cubits, the height, 30. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark on its side. Make it with a lower second and third deck. For behold, I will bring flood waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which it is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wives, and your sons' wives with you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you, my God, for bringing us here this morning, my God, to listen to your word, Father God. I pray that, that we may be in the same spirit, uh, in, in a spirit that is ready to receive what your Holy Spirit has to impart on us this morning, Father God. I pray that we walk here a little bit differently this morning, Father God, having, having this word, having heard this word, my God, in Jesus' name, amen. I entitled this message this morning, Faithful Favor. It's good to have favor with God. Like, if, if you're going to have favor with anybody, that's the one you want to have favor with. God. It, it means, because having favor with God means that, 
that he wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something with your life. He wants to use you, which is an honor in and of itself. There's usually a reward tied to the favor that he has for you. And maybe it's not the type of reward that you would like to have, right? It's not like God is going to give you a treat like you do with your dogs after they do something for you. But, but, but good things come to those who are favored by God. We should all strive to have favor with God. Can I say that again? We should all strive to be found with favor. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? We're going to talk about that here as we get into the, into the passage. Uh, we're living in times, much like Noah, where favor isn't common. And can I, even, can I dare to say that it's not even that common amongst Christians? And, and, and we'll see why that is in, in a minute. First, I want to talk about the situation in Noah's time. This is a time where evil has run rampant. On the whole earth. The whole earth is, is, is corrupt. It is contaminated. Uh, everyone has turned their back from God. They want nothing to do with God. And there was w- but one man, one man and his family who continued to walk with God. I want you to think about that for a moment. Out of the whole population of people, whatever that was at the time, only Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And I can, you know, thinking about this word and thinking about the situation, because I like to I like to put myself in in their in their shoes and and in in their situation. I can only imagine how difficult this had to have been for Noah, finding favor in God uh, with God in the midst of a generation that was evil. See, for you and me. Can I just say it's not that hard for us to practice our faith when we have the church to uphold us, when we have believers who are, who are talking to each other, who are asking about each other. My dad preached a message this morning in our Spanish service about, uh, about you know, suffering in silence. And we don't have to do that. You know why? Because we have, we have each other. We have the church. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who should reach out and say, hey, how are you doing? Noah didn't have that. Even the early church, who was fiercely opposed persecuted, executed for their faith. At least they had each other. But Noah and his family walked in their world alone. They were the weirdos. They were the the not normal family. No one wanted to invite Noah and his family over for their birthday party because they're weird. They're different. And they're the only ones. They're they're unique. But Noah, in the midst of all that, in the midst of an evil generation where everyone else was doing the same thing, where everyone else had their back turned to God, Noah was looking this way. And he did not succumb to the pressure of abandoning God and thus found favor with God. When we read chapter 6 of Genesis, um. It, it has been one of those challenging passages for some people because, you know, it deals with such a wrath from God, um, who we also know to be very loving and gracious and, and merciful. We don't sing the songs about God's wrath. We sing the songs about his mercy. Right. And, and, and so when we read of this passage, we don't see that side of God. We see the side of God's wrath and his vengeance. And it's not pretty. And can I just say, believe it or not, church, God isn't all cuddles and coddles. Our God is also one of justice, uh, punishment. And and you know what? There is a day coming where the world will see this type of wrath 
again. And there's a very important role to be played by men and women of of faith who are found in the favor of God, just as Noah played a very important role. Now, church, is the time to preach the gospel, man. You say, Pastor Ryan, I don't know how to I don't know how to preach. You don't have to do it like formally. You just have to speak the name of Jesus to someone who needs Jesus. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, about the importance, the ever importance right now to let people know that there is a savior in this world that is headed for destruction. Because there is a day that is coming where the destruction of the world will be slow. It will be painful, all leading up to its death and destruction. And can I just say, you know, we, we read that and it's like someone, someone told me one time, they just asked me straight up. They said, Pastor Ryan, why, is, why does God seem so mean? Why does he, why does he seem mean? And, and you know, he, this person asked me, like, he, you read the Old Testament. He's all about, you know, destroying his own nation. I mean, why does he do it? And why did he create him? And, and why does he mean? And I want to answer that question because perhaps maybe you've asked that, self, uh, that same question before. Maybe you've read the Bible before and you don't say it out loud because you don't want to say it out loud. But you're thinking, man, God, that's, that's, that's tough. That's, that's harsh. And I'll attempt to answer it very simply without making it too complicated. It's not that God is mean. It's that God is good. Humanity is not good. Humanity is like, it's filth that just piles up and it spreads and it contaminates and, and that can cause destruction to its own, uh, uh, own path. Thankfully, Jesus came and he paid the price for our filth so that those who could come to him are no longer put to shame by their filth, by the blood of Jesus. But without Jesus, filth just continues on becoming filthy and creating more filth. And there gets to a place where the contamination is so far gone, there's nothing more that you can do for it. Have you ever had something that you didn't want to throw away, even though it was time to throw it away? Like, I really don't want to part ways with this. And, and so you try to do everything. You, you're looking on Pinterest, right? How can I restore it? How can I paint it so it's beautiful again? What, what, what can I do to fix this, this rotten wood? Maybe it was something sitting in your garage for months and you opened it up and there was mold. And, and it's like, I don't want to throw it away. It's expensive. I remember the day I bought it. it felt so good. I lo- I'm proud of this. But at the same time, you know that it's no good to you anymore. Like, it's no good. I remember one time I threw away Layla's toy that had broke. There was, a, there was a sharp piece of plastic exposed, and so I had to throw it away. It had become a hazard, and she was upset with me. And she said, like she, she does many times, she said, why are you so mean? <laughs> I said, I'm not mean. I'm just, I'm looking out. I'm, I'm looking out for you. This is, this is no good anymore. And so God saw that the world had gotten to the point where people weren't turning to him anymore. Destruction was the only thing that lied in the path of humanity. So he said, it's time to throw it out. This generation that only intends to do evil. That's, all it, that's the only intentions of this generation. It's not even trying to be good anymore. It's not even faking it anymore. It only intends to do evil. And when you have that next to a good God, they don't go together. And so we know that there is this day coming where the world will see the wrath of God again. And when you read this passage, it sounds, it kind of sounds like the antitype of what's happening today, right? Like if, if someone were to read this passage for the first time, not know where it's from, 
They might even think, man, this is talking about today. (laughs) An evil generation, violence permeates the world, corruption everywhere. But look at what verse 8 and 9 says. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God. In the midst of this evil generation, Noah was found righteous and blameless before God. Are you willing, church, to be the Noah in your generation? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to be the Noah in your workplace when there was no sign of righteousness in your family, with your friends? Are you willing to be found with favor? Noah walked with God. and He was walking with God. He was getting up. He was praying. He was making sacrifices. When no one else did, Noah did. This kind of goes back to the passage that we read a couple weeks ago where Jesus is telling his disciples of all the, the coming terrors that are, that are in store for the end times. And it's just destruction and famine and, and natural disaster and evil and everything is just, just, just terrible. But there's still good news that needs to be preached. And in the same way, in the midst of this evil generation where people hate each other, where people try to cause more division in, our, in an already divided world, Noah was found with favor. Will you be found with favor? Will you go against the grain? I want to preach this this morning because you might, you might say yes. Right? You might say amen, pastor, sign me up. I want that favor. But you might not exactly know what it takes to be found with favor. Last December, I, I preached a message called Dangerous Favor. I don't know if you remember. We talked about the favor found in Mary and Joseph to carry out this huge, huge assignment in raising the Son of God here on earth. We also highlighted some other men and women who were found in the, with favor in the eyes of God. Noah was included. Joseph experienced God's favor. Moses Ruth, Esther, a lot of men and women in the Bible that God finds with favor. And from their stories, we concluded that favor isn't always what you think is going to look like. When someone asks me, for example, to pray for them, this actually happened last week. Someone, someone, uh, someone called me up and they said, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm going on my uh, second interview for, for a job and I really want to get it. I really want to get it. Will you pray for me? And so the first thing I prayed for was, God, give him favor with the hiring manager. Give him favor with HR. Give him favor with, with, with whoever's looking at that resume. Make it just stand out. Make it sparkle. Make it special. Make him just be in love with that picture if there's one. I mean, like, give them favor, Lord. And we do this. Like, we, we ask for favor selfishly. I'm guilty of it. Lord, Lord, grant me favor on this, on this exam I didn't study for. Right? You get pulled over for breaking the law, Lord, grant me favor with this officer. <laughs> Give me favor, Lord. Give me favor in this situation. Now, if we're being biblical, which we always should be, doesn't mean that this can't happen. But historically speaking, in the scriptures, when God granted favor to people, it wasn't followed by a promotion. Unless there's something I, I, didn't, I didn't read. But the favor of God was never immediately, uh, um, it, was, it was never immediately followed by something that that person had asked for. God, give me favor with, with, uh, with the loan officer. I really want this house. Give me favor. It, it was, you don't see that. And, And the reason for that is because God views favor a little bit differently than we do. 
See, we think of favor. We think, okay, because I know you and because I like you, I'm going to give you something. That's how favor works. Because your family, I'm going to give you the job. It's also called nepotism. Because, because I know you, because I like you, I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to give you the, 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 the business loan because I know you're good for it. I know you. I'm going to sell this to you at a discount because I know that you're going to get good use out of it. So I'm going to give you the friends and family discount. That's how we think of favor. And so we say, okay, I'm a child of God. That means I get the riches of God. That's not favor. That's inheritance. Praise God. We can preach a message on that. But that's not favor. Favor to God, if we look at the scripture, if we look at nearly every account where someone was found with the favor of God, the only thing that was given to them was a responsibility. That was it. It wasn't, it wasn't a promotion. It wasn't a new house. It wasn't a new car. It wasn't a new boat. It wasn't a new wife. It was a responsibility. It was a task. It was a burden. It was something they probably didn't want to do. It was an interruption on their life. That's what the favor looks like. I remember for me, the favor of God, it looked like, you know, uh, Ryan, I I know you never intended on being a pastor. I know you never wanted to to, to do it, but I'm going to lay this burden on you. It's a responsibility. When God favors you, it's not always going to be to something favorable. It's a dangerous thing, asking for God's favor. And this is the part where a lot of people say, oh, that's favor. (laughs) All right, I'll go if no one else goes. (laughs) Put me last. Imagine being Noah, minding his own business, he's doing what he's doing, and he's working, he's spending time with his family. Maybe he's got plans, and all of a sudden, God interrupts everything. And for the next many decades, he's tasked with building an ark. Like, what? What's an ark, you know? How do I build an ark? Moses said, what? I, don't, I don't even know how to speak well. Jonah said straight up, I don't want to, God. I don't even like the people that you're calling me to preach to. No. God said, make an ark. Make an ark because I favor you. I want someone to know this morning that many times favor is not going to feel good. It doesn't feel like favor. It's going to feel like a burden. It's going to feel like a weight. It's going to keep you up at night. And you're going to think, man, God, this is favor. This is what it is. You know, I, I wish we had the in-between, the moment between uh, the calling of, of Moses and his task um, to the time where he actually finished it. Most scholars believe it was about, about 100 years. I wish I knew what kind of toll that took on his life, what went through his through his mind most days. I wonder how frustrated he got when he didn't have the skills to get started. Oh man, if God had asked me to build an ark, Lord, I wouldn't know what to do. I would get so frustrated. I'd get so frustrated myself. I would doubt myself. I would, I would think I'm incompetent and I'd get angry at God for even thinking that I was capable of doing it. I wonder what kind of, what kind of family drama it created. When, when Noah was out day after day after day building this thing for something that he wasn't even sure was coming. What went through his mind? How did it affect his social life, his faith? To Noah, this was a burden. This, 
This wasn't favor, but to God it was favor. At the beginning of the message, I said that favor isn't, you know, it's not very common these days amongst Christians. And, and, and you'll see that a lot in Scripture. You'll say, there'll be a part in Scripture where it says, in, in those days, there, there, were, there were no, uh, right, there were, the, the righteous were few. There weren't many who were righteous. There were not many who were, who were having visions from God. Favor isn't common because most people don't want to do it. <clears throat> and so the reason, the reason that favor isn't common is because God knows what favor calls for. He knows that it takes dedication. You dedicated church? It takes selflessness. It takes saying no to things that aren't going to help the cause. There's that, there's that phrase that people say God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Let me tell you why that's true. It's because God knows those whom he calls will do what's necessary to become qualified. That's why. You don't have to be fancy yet. You don't have to have the degree yet. You don't have to have the skills yet. I see your heart. I see your dedication. I see you are capable of becoming what I want you to be. Amen. And those who are qualified, those whom you might look to and think, man, they're way better than I am. They speak way better than I do. They have years more experience, years more education than I do. Why not them, God? Maybe it's because God knows that even though they're qualified, they're not up for the calling. God isn't looking, church, I got to speak to somebody this morning, someone who's been hard on themselves, someone who is doubting themselves in, in a time where God is trying to use you. He is trying to unleash the favor. He's trying to make you see it. But you have been, have been arguing with God because you don't have the skill set. And he's not looking for the qualification. He's looking for the dedication so that then everything else can follow. In other words, to... To tie the sermon title into the message, he favors the faithful. Those who don't quit. Those who are resilient. Those who say yes when everybody else says no. I want you to notice something. We don't, we don't know what kind of carpentry skills Noah had. Maybe, God, maybe that's the reason God gave him such a long time to build the ark. To actually learn. (laughs) The only thing that qualified Noah to receive God's favor was his faithfulness. His willingness. His righteousness. The fact that no one else would respond to it. He did. And I have to ask you this morning, church. What is going to happen when there is no one else in your family? When there is no one else in your social groups, no one else in your workplace, no one else even in your church willing to respond to the task that God has set before you. <clears throat> I hope I'm preaching to somebody this morning. <clears throat> yeah, I, I know you, you guys are probably tired of hearing me say this, but um, we are living in the end of days. We are. Does this mean that Jesus come back tomorrow? I don't know. In our lifetime, I don't know. What I do know 
is that we must live with the sense of urgency that he is coming back very soon and that there's still a lot to get done. There is still a lot of people who don't know the grace like you and I know it. It means that, church, we can no longer be satisfied with just being called Christians. We have to go deeper. It means that, that, that going to church on Sunday mornings should be the absolute least that we do. I've, I've felt for quite some time just, just kind of seeing the, the climate the climate of the church today. There's a difference between, if, if we're talking about like weather, there's a difference between climate and, and, and weather, right? You can have some very uncommon weather. Like I remember uh, several Christmases ago, it, it, it snowed here in Houston, right? And that, that, that's, that's very uncommon. That is, that is uncommon weather. The climate in Houston is still nasty. So when, when, when change in climate happens, it means the weather is consistently different than what it was before. And I'm noticing a, a change in the climate of the church. Not just the weather. Not just the past few weeks or, or few months. This, this is where the weather, the new weather becomes the new normal. And I've felt that the church is going to begin to look a lot like the early church, where the place that we do church is no longer in the building. It's out there. It's in people's homes. It's on the streets. It's in our workplaces. It's in our schools. It's, it, you know, where where. Where, where we serve God goes way beyond just helping out once a week with the ushers ministry. This is why I say we can no longer just be satisfied with just being Christians and showing up on Sunday morning. There, there's, there's something deeper that God is looking for in this generation of evil. He's looking for those who he can find with favor because those he finds righteous and blameless, he lends support. That's a, that's a passage in second Chronicles. I wish I knew the reference, but that's what it says that, that he looks, he searches the earth to and fro for those who are righteous and blameless so that he can give them support for the mission. So church, we must be ready to be deployed. But first, we must be found with the favor of God. And I hope that this message just spoke to someone's life this morning. To do more as a Christian, to go further, to stay faithful, to not abandon, uh, abandon your calling, to not say no to God when he prompts you to be found with the favor of God. At all times, because our world right now needs it, church. Will you be found with the favor of God? I want you to think about that this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand. 
Why don't we pray real quick? I want to, I want to pray over this word. God, I really don't want this just to be another Sunday morning message. I don't want it to be forgotten about, God. Your word says, blessed are those who hear and do. That we don't let it go out the other ear, my God, when it enters the other. And I pray, Father God, that this word marinate in our spirits, my God, this week, Lord. Because we want to be found in your favor, my God. I want to know how many in this room this morning will say, God, just use me, whatever it is. If that's you this morning, I'm, I'm not going to count. I'm not, I'm just, I just want you to just make a public declaration to say, God, use me however you will. I'm ready. I'm ready. Use me, God. Find favor in me, Lord, because I know that the cause is so much greater than what I don't want to do. Find favor among the, among the members, Lord, of Numa Church this morning. Let your Holy Spirit begin to call people to new things, my God. Even if it goes beyond the church, even if it goes beyond the, the service, the organization of, of Numa Church, if it means I'm going outside and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to people about Jesus. Find favor in me, my God. Use me, God. Use me, God. Come on, just begin to talk to God right now, just in your words. In your own words, just begin to worship God. Talk to God. Find God this morning. Seek God right now. Have the, the worship team sing something. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.